It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Wednesday, April 18th, and today we'll be asking, could a former Piston return to Detroit and could ownership sandbagging be removing that option from the future for the team? This is your boy Matt Shook, an AP writer here in Chicago, covering the NBA for the Associated Press and been following this Pistons team my entire life, as well as being a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well today. We will run down Tuesday's action from the NBA playoffs and look ahead to tonight. We're also going to be talking about an intriguing possibility for the next Pistons coach and former Detroit star Jerry Stackhouse and how... He might even be gone if the Pistons continue to drag their feet with whatever happens with Stan Van Gundy in these next few days. And I'll give some thoughts on what might be going on there too as well. We're also having another segment of America's new favorite podcast segment today in Pistons playoff history as we'll be looking back on better times as there aren't many good times in the present to be talking about as teams continue the playoffs while the Pistons sit at home. But a trio of teams moved to 2-0 and in their first round series playoff matchups on Tuesday night. The Boston Celtics topped the Milwaukee Bucks 120-106, to 30 points for Jalen Brown. Dan Favale of Bleacher Report noted in a tweet that Jalen Brown is what Detroit wished it had in Stanley Johnson. Well, yeah, I mean, he's right. No comparison there, obviously. Obviously, you see a couple of highly drafted athletic players that play on the wing, uh, but, uh, you know, Jalen Brown was a high pick in a much better draft. Stanley Johnson uh, was picked at, at age 19, probably a similar uh, age to, Stan- to Jalen Brown. But, yeah, obviously Stanley Johnson's offense hasn't progressed like Pistons fans and Pistons organization hoped it would, but I don't know why the, the dig at Stanley Johnson there in that tweet that I saw overnight. Giannis had uh, 30 and 9 and 8 in a near triple double. Former Piston Chris Middleton had 25 points. By the way, the Celtics have three former Pistons going. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Baines, who starts for them, and Marcus Morris, who had 18 points off the bench on Tuesday. Greg Monroe had 12 off the bench as well. And things got pretty physical between a couple of former Pistons and Middleton and Morris. Morris is certainly not one of those guys that you want to be messing with. He is that dude for sure. 
the Pistons definitely lost a, a bit of toughness in the trade for Avery Bradley, who, let's just say, didn't really fill that toughness void like maybe Pistons fans were hoping. And as I've said before, and I want to get this on record one more time, I think Boston could be a possible trade partner for Andre Drummond this offseason. Boston is a middle-of-the-pack team in rebounding rate and adjusted rebounding chance percentage as well. And you could see that as a way of maybe the Boston being able to take the next step. Obviously, they're going to want to get Kyrie and Gordon Hayward healthy going into next season. But when you look at Andre Drummond as kind of a catch-all for all your rebounding problems, that might be something that could be interesting. And obviously, teams might be able to see Andre Drummond's development as a rim protector as a thing that might keep advancing and continuing to get better. His teams go on. He's played some great games against Boston. Uh, obviously, the one earlier this year in Boston where the Pistons got the win stands out. And Brad Stevens is a smart guy and could figure out a way to maybe make him fit in the Celtics culture. Plus, if I'm Danny Ainge, you might start thinking about condensing some of the assets going forward. Somehow they've they've managed to get too many of them. And with all the picks they have coming up, they've got a, a Memphis pick coming a possible pick from the Lakers that might be conveyed as to a, a Sacramento pick in the next couple of years as well. Some trade pieces that might make sense for the Pistons, ironically, would be like Marcus Morris or maybe Baines in a sign-in trade, some of those picks, or maybe that Daniel Tice center off the bench or semi Ole who's a guy who's more of a, a tough guy that the Pistons might use as well. I know that seems like kind of a poo-poo platter when I'm throwing some of those things together um, and maybe less assets and more high-end talent needs to be in there for a drum and trade, but maybe there's a third team that could get involved and throw a, a feature name at the Pistons or something like that. But Stevens has to be looking at the 24 minutes that Aaron Baines played and 17 minutes that Greg Monroe played and thinking that those might be better spent with a better big man. But just thinking out loud there as I think about the Celtics' future and their plethora of options that Ainge has. And we know he's not afraid to pull the trigger, especially for some high-end talent as well. A little bit of the quote wars going on as Terry Rozier called Eric Bledsoe Drew Bledsoe after Game 1 in that series. Then Bledsoe said he didn't know who Rozier was when asked if it was personal between the two. Well, he better learn soon because 23 points in each game for Rozier, roasting him in the individual battle in, in Milwaukee. I mean, man, uh, frustrating to watch if you're a Bucks fan. They really should not be losing 2-0 to anyone in the playoffs who don't have their two best players. You can almost see this Giannis thing playing out over the next few years and uh, it becoming very ugly very soon as obviously he's going to be thinking of his long-term future as these uh, short-term disappointments continue for the Bucks franchise. The Raptors went uh, up 2-0 by topping the Washington Wizards 130-119. to Washington will be heading fishing sometime soon. 37 points for DeMar DeRozan. Brad Beal, 9 points for the Wizards. A gross game for him. John Wall had 29. And aside, I was listening to one of the Ringer podcasts recently and Bill Simmons brushed aside a question about who would you rather have John Wall's contract or Blake Griffin's contract obviously both contracts are really big um, and both have injury issues but given the chemistry issues that still linger in Washington I'm not so sure that um, that Wall is the obvious answer in that one and obviously two guys that relied on their athleticism and their youth but Griffin's kind of already Losing a lot of athleticism, and obviously that is something against him and that ledger and uh, something that could favor Wall. But another way to think about it is at least Griffin's starting to transition into the player he might be, whereas Wall might have some difficult seasons before that transition starts and after some of that athleticism fades because of some of the injuries that he's had. 
In the nightcap on Tuesday, the New Orleans Pelicans topped Portland 111-102, to 2 to nothing after winning two road games in the Pacific Northwest. Drew Holiday is officially making the leap. He had 33 points and continues to play great defense in the backcourt as well. Rajon Rondo is playoff Rondo again, 16-10-9, a bargain pickup for the New Orleans Pelicans. Even worse, Yusuf Nurkic and Evan Turner had injuries, and Portland will now hit the road down 2 nothing. The Anthony Davis legend continues to grow, but how about that backcourt? A little vindication for me, as I said, Portland would be a disappointment this year. Obviously, Dame and them had a great regular season, but the disappointment might be starting to show a little bit now. But really, these are just two pretty good teams in the West playing a pretty entertaining series, and I don't think we've heard the last from Dame Lillard and Portland can we take a couple minutes and shit on Boogie Cousins here for a second? Really, this series and the end of the regular season since he went down is a pretty big black mark on his career that the team got better without him after the Achilles injury. A very talented player, but to sit here and say you'd want him as a top 25 or top 30 or you know 40 guy that you'd want on your team in the league, you might be crazy. Certainly, he's probably a top 15 talent in terms of the things he can do on the court. But there's a big difference between ability and winning players, and Boogie is definitely not one of them. The constant pouting and, of course, the lack, most importantly, the lack of effort defensively, um, those are just things that we see on the court. And it seems like where there's smoke, there's fire with him. Uh, you might see uh, the problems continue throughout his career as uh, it's not a coincidence that he hasn't been in a winning situation. And obviously you get a little bit, somewhat of a pass with the Sacramento situation for most of his career, but this New Orleans run is not running favorably in his direction either. Tonight, the rest of the Game 2's Indy and Cleveland. Will LeBron respond? That will be the big national headline, obviously. I'm guessing yes. 7 o'clock game tonight. Cleveland, 8-point favorites at home. That seems a little excessive, though, if you ask me. 8 o'clock, Utah and Oklahoma City. Thunder up one nothing in that one, and our four-point favorites in what could be the game of the night, one I'll have my eye on tonight. And then at 9.30, Minnesota and the Rockets and what should be a Houston blowout, I would think, after the close wake-up call that the Rockets had in game one there, 10.5-point favorites there. But today we're going to be talking about the possibility of Jerry Stackhouse becoming the Pistons' next coach and how it might be slipping through their fingertips as we speak. But if your company wants to reach men between the ages of 18 and 44, then you should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Pistons is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if that demo sounds good to you, this is your spot. Plus, we have reasonable rates. So email me at matt underscore shook, S C H O C H, at yahoo.com to find out more. Yes, sir! The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking about today in Detroit Pistons playoff history. Since we can't live in the present, then we will relive the past. But Jerry Stackhouse is all over the news as a serious candidate for head coaching jobs that are already vacant across the league. The New York Knicks job is out there. Charlotte, Orlando is an opening already. Atlanta could open up as soon as Mike Budenholzer possibly uh, signs a deal. He's meeting with Phoenix right now to possibly move over to the West Coast. 
Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com says the Knicks are planning to meet with David Fisdale, Jerry Stackhouse, and Mark Jackson this week. David Blatt might come over and interview after coaching in Turkey this year as well. Some very Knicksy names out there. Mike Woodson is also involved in the search somehow, the former assistant from the Pistons there. The cover of the New York Daily News, I believe yesterday, they had a story there with Jerry Stackhouse on the cover saying that Stack is also a candidate in Orlando and Charlotte as well. Obviously with the Hornets, Stack has the North Carolina Tar Heel connection with owner Michael Jordan and new general manager Mitch Kupchak. All those guys played for Dean Smith in uh, Chapel Hill there. Meanwhile, no news for the Pistons on their front with the coaching situation. You have to think that if Tom Gore's was going to fire Stan Van Gundy that he'd want to do it as quickly as possible so they could get in on some of these big names in coaching searches or if they're going to hire get rid of Van Gundy and hire a new team president get that person in place as soon as possible so they they could make their coaching hire and yes the clock is still ticking also do you think that Gores who by all accounts has a great relationship with Stan Van Gundy that he would fly him all the way out to California just so that he could fire him after a conversation it seems like a stretch, and this is you know already one week plus after the season ends. That seems like a stretch and a couple of uncomfortable plane rides for Stan Van Gundy. If you fire him, I would think that you would do it very quickly and uh, maybe in like an exit interview type of situation, but uh, maybe that's more evidence in my mind that Stan Van Gundy is coming back. But as for Stackhouse, he's been the coach in the G League for the Raptors 905 as the head coach the last two seasons, winning coach of the year last year in the championship in the G League last year as well. He was an assistant before that for one year with the big club with the Toronto Raptors after his long playing career ended. What would Stackhouse be like as a coach? Well, Joe Truck, who um, is a guy who has been on our podcast before, uh, a guy who follows the Pistons and writes about them a lot on Reddit and also his hashtag basketball website. Shout out to Joe. He follows the G League much closer than I do, so I he presented the numbers on Twitter recently and said that Stackhouse's Raptors 905 team slows it down a lot and scratches and claws on offense. More of an old-school team, kind of fits the old Pistons identity, which is a little at odds with today's NBA, obviously. But I don't have a problem with that as long as you're doing enough ways to uh, to at least defend some of the top teams and get off enough three-pointers to, to keep up with a lot of um, you know the, the high-octane offenses this year. Stackhouse, obviously a legendary fighter, had a fight with Jeff Hornacek on the court, some other ones in the locker room and tunnels, and even with teammates, I think Christian Leitner on the Detroit Pistons plane in 1999. So he developed his attitude as a guy that you definitely don't want to mess with. After his career, a lot of these stories emerged of punching dudes out that maybe weren't necessarily waiting or ready for a fight at the point. Also, I listened last summer to a Zach Lowe podcast that he had with Stackhouse on there. He's a pretty vindictive guy. Um, He's still sore about how things ended in Detroit for him. He thought that he would have carried the Pistons to the heights that they got to without him after the Rip Hamilton trade, And, and who knows? Maybe he's right. Obviously, he was kind of the guy who helped usher in the the losing era and kind of the stuck in nowhere era after the Grant Hill transit after Grant Hill was traded and before you know Ben Wallace started to make his mark with the Pistons, kind of helped them get to that next level, be a playoff team and get past the some of those. They beat the Raptors one year and got to the play the Celtics in the second round. Kind of a big transition year as the Pistons went forward. Certainly a guy with an attitude that could help bring some toughness to the sidelines for the Pistons, but hopefully whatever else is working in Toronto that uh, within the coaching and overall system that they have going up there, that uh, Stackhouse will be able to bring that 
with him from the Great White North to Detroit or wherever else that it would be. Now, uh, so that's just some thoughts on Jerry Stackhouse. I want to know what you guys think, so get in touch with me on social media and let me know if you think Stackhouse is the guy who could uh, lead this team going forward. I know it's tough to talk about who the next coach is when the coach is still in place, and like I said, I still believe Stan Van Gundy's going back, but the lack of news and the crickets from the Pistons organization and that so-called meeting that's coming up between Tom Gores and Stan Van Gundy. No news from that means we got to speculate on our own and try to figure out reading the tea leaves and what might be possibilities if Stan Van Gundy does not come back to the Pistons next year. But speaking of the Pistons, we got uh, today in Detroit Pistons playoff history coming up next. Since we can't live in the present with the playoffs, we'll have to go back to the past and give our day-by-day accounts here in the uh, spring and summer as the NBA playoffs roll on. But new coaches in Detroit, look forward, look no further than Locked On Lions for the coverage of Matt Patricia era in Detroit. Matt Derry of Detroit Radio, you should be checking that out every day. We got NBA podcast, NFL podcast, MLB podcast are already here and coming on the way for some other ones, especially a Detroit team that you might be thinking about. Also check on LockedOnSports.com, kind of the landing page for all the podcasts that you can check out there. The Lockdown Network, we got you covered. Your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For some of these Today in Pistons playoff history segments, I'll be talking about my own recollections of some of these things that have happened, but this one is before my time, and and probably thankfully this will be one of the only ones that we'll talk about that's before my time, as you know, the Fort Wayne Pistons made the NBA Finals twice way back in the day, but in those years the NBA season was done much earlier. Uh, In 1955 when they made the NBA Finals, the uh, season was over on April 10th, and in 1956 it was over on April 7th, so we're keeping these to the current date. Uh, in that way. In the 1970s, the next flurry of Pistons success, the Pistons did make the playoffs in four straight seasons in the mid-70s, and the last of those series wins was in 1976, and that was the season that the Pistons, we we referenced this earlier in the season on the podcast, where the team won 10 of 11 late in the season to push and get in the playoffs, kind of against all odds. I think they went in four games under 500. So we go back to April 18th, 1976, as the Pistons knocked off the Milwaukee Bucks to finish off a two games to one series win and get the first round win. I think the the first three seeds got first round buys in the Western Conference, which is what the Pistons were in back then. And the four and five matchup had to meet in the first round, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Pistons. Bob Dandridge was the top player on the Bucks. This was an, wasn't Luol Cinder or Oscar Robertson or anything like that. But each game was a three-point win by one of the teams in the three-game series between the Pistons and the Bucks. Bob Lanier dominated it inside for Detroit, averaging 29.3 points and 11.7 rebounds in the three-game series. He had 28 and 12 in the deciding game as the Pistons won. 107 to 104. One of the interesting things I found in that game, Curtis Rowe, he had 20 points 
and that was his best season as a Piston at the, his fifth of five, I believe. He was the 11th pick of the draft out of UCLA in 1971. He played for John Wooden on some of those great teams on UCLA. He averaged 16-8 and eight that year, uh, but was traded after the season in a three-team deal that netted the Pistons' Ralph Simpson, not Ralph Sampson, Ralph Simpson, who played at Pershing and is a Michigan State guy, and was coming off of his fifth straight All-Star season for the Denver Nuggets in the NBA, in the ABA, but he never did reach those heights as the merger happened, and he joined the Detroit Pistons, was there for a year and a half, averaged about 10 or 11 in those two seasons, but never really lived up to the hype of, uh, of Curtis Rowe that he was supplanting in the Pistons organization. So there's our look back in the 70s, the last time the Pistons won a playoff series until the, the 80s, mid-80s came and Isaiah Thomas came in about a, a 10-year drought of playoff victories. The Pistons went on that year, and we'll, we might talk about one of those later on, but the Pistons moved on in the second round to play the Golden State Warriors after that, and obviously they did not win that series because, like I said, about a decade drought in between playoff series win. Does that sound familiar, Pistons fans, speaking of decade droughts? But, uh, yeah, we'll be following throughout, and we'll get into the bad boys a little bit more. We'll get into the going-to-work Pistons as the season goes on. And share with me some of your memories from those games as we continue on this spring as well. Give us a follow at Twitter, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. And give us a follow at Locked On Pistons as well. And also check out the Facebook page, Locked On Pistons dash Matt Shook. Give us a like on there and join the conversation. But I got a guest lined up for tomorrow's show as we're going to close the week. No Friday episodes, remember, during the offseason. And we are in Pistons offseason. So I'm going to tape the interview with our guest, uh, a nice um, familiar voice for Detroit Pistons fans who provides a, a lot of fresh commentary that I'm looking forward to hearing on tomorrow's podcast there. And uh, enjoy the games tonight. Thanks for listening, and uh, have a good one, everyone. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.